Hey, hey Julie. <laughs> Jinx. <laughs> How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Um, I think we could both say we're both like a little bit, um, uh, you know, busy right now. Like this has been a really busy, I feel like a really busy couple of weeks. It's fall marathon season. And uh, luckily this year, we're back to a full slate of, of fall races. So between fall marathons, target marathons, and um, kind of tune up half marathons and races that a lot of our runners are doing to prepare for marathons. And then also just other, you know, fall goal races that people had that aren't necessarily doing marathons. We've got a lot of people racing. So I know this week has been a busy week for both of us doing race prep for our runners. Um, Chicago is coming up this weekend. Steamtown marathons coming up this weekend. Uh, we have some other, you know, smaller half marathons that are coming up. So uh, it's been, it's been, uh, it's been fun to be back to that full, um, fall marathon excitement. Absolutely. For sure. Also, we have army 10 this weekend, a, a big race in our area. Interestingly though, uh, fall races are, are back in full force, but interestingly, that's a race that used to sell out really quickly and they still have available spots. So I think that's indicative of the race, uh, climate right now, which is, People are engaged, people are excited to race, but races aren't filling up quite as quickly as they used to. And uh, I know there's been a few articles about that. I have my own theories. What do you think it is, Lisa? Um, I think that, um, I think it's a combination of a few things. I think, first of all, just the proliferation of races. There are so many options. So um, I think there's just you know more out there to choose from. I think um, people are, don't feel like they're trained yet for, for, for races. I think some people don't feel ready to get back into longer distance races, whether it's because they had COVID and they're just not ready to make that commitment yet. So I think, um, I think there's a combination. Army is an interesting case. Army opened registration early with a certain number of slots and did sell out pretty quickly. And then they added more spots in August. I think when their permit was expanded, they added more spots. That's actually when I signed up and I was sure that it was going to fill really quickly. So I remember actually making sure I signed up for my phone right away as soon as they offered, opened up the new spots, thinking it was going to sell out. And I didn't have to rush because like you said, so I think with Army, people maybe when they didn't get in um, the first round made other plans for their fall racing. And then once they opened up the additional spots, maybe then they already had their fall races planned and, and didn't, you know, decided not to commit. But Army is one that usually sells out really quickly. Um, Marine Corps Marathon has had openings much, much longer um, than, than other years. I think another factor could be cost. I know some of the races are really up there now. I think Marine Corps marathons over $200 to register and that's a high cost. So I think um, that could be a factor as well. I don't know. What do you, what do you think? I think that people are running just as much, but I think people are realizing that they don't necessarily always need to pay to enjoy the running community. I'm wondering if park runs and other free opportunities like that have cut into those who would otherwise opt to pay for races. Uh, I also think that, as you mentioned before, people might not feel as ready to race. Uh, I know that there's a lot of factors that cause that. Perhaps one is just people aren't in the pattern of training with high mileage, or perhaps they are training with high mileage and are nervous to race shorter distance or, uh, people like, for example, me, you get COVID and that derails your fall running schedule, racing schedule, and you have to recalibrate. And perhaps because that people are waiting until the last minute to sign up for things because they don't want to commit to something, pay for it, and then not be able to run it. Those are my theories, but I think it's interesting. And I'm curious to see if that 
will change over the next few years and races will be just as popular. Certainly Boston allowing everyone to enter the races we talked about last week signifies that while certainly there's tons of interest in Boston for the second year in a row, there's no buffer, which is great news. We're thrilled about that. But wondering if it's an indication of something bigger. And we touched on that last week in our conversation, that's something bigger for Boston specifically is the cost of hotels. And we heard from a lot of our listeners last week after that conversation, echoing our feelings that, hey, what's going on? Why, why are runners expected to pay so much for hotels? And perhaps going back to that is just the overall expense of any of these races and people opting just to do fun things on their own to enjoy running other than entering a race. Speaking of fun things on the, their own though that are free, uh, this weekend, just a reminder, we have our Lululemon run at Lululemon Gaithersburg in downtown Crown. We do this about once a month, and we'd love to see folks there. For those who are running Army on Sunday, this would be a great opportunity for a shakeout run. We will be running anywhere between 30 and 60 minutes, and uh, walkers are welcome, too. So we hope that if you're in our area, in the D.C. area, that you will join us. Yeah, absolutely. Looking forward to getting back and um, welcoming our Montgomery County Public School uh, faculty and staff that are participating in our MCPS program. That this is kind of their first group run that they'll uh, be, uh, you know, that started after their their start of their program. So we're looking forward to having some of them join us as well. And um, speaking of of training and goal races, uh, we are already having conversations with runners about uh, spring races. So including Boston, now that folks have figured out who's gotten into Boston, um, we've had a lot of uh, runners, either returning runners or new runners approach us. We will have a group program again this year, which will start in January. It's kind of a lower key, hands-off, uh, you know, we're not hands-off, we're certainly still involved, but um, for people who feel like they just need a schedule and kind of a group support, um, it's, a, like I said, a little bit lower key than our um, individual coaching. But anyone who is thinking about a spring uh, a target race, whether it's Boston or another marathon or a half marathon or whatever may be your goal, uh, get in touch with us if you think you might want coaching. We are our roster for the fall filled very early in the fall, like before, you know, in the sorry, in the I guess in the summer or in the spring, our roster for the fall filled. And unfortunately, we had to turn away some runners. And we're having a little turnover now as people finish their fall races and take a break and we start taking in new people for the spring. But if you are thinking about coaching and want to just talk to us about what that might look like, definitely reach out. Um, we'll set up a call and at least can get you then um, you know, on on the roster or for, for even if you're not going to start until December or January, um, we, we are filling up quickly. Yeah. And speaking of Boston, uh, we just wanted to give a shout out to past podcast guest, Heather Abbott, who has runs the Heather Abbott Foundation, which funds prosthetics for those in need. And it's a great organization. And one of our runners, Lori Rice, Rabbi Lori Rice, who was also a past podcast guest, asked us to pass along that the Heather Abbott Foundation has bibs for Boston with a fundraising requirement, of course. So they're one of the official charities for the Boston Marathon. And for those interested in running that want to support a worthy organization, uh, check out the Heather Abbott Foundation. And we'll link to that in our show notes for those who are interested. Yeah, very worthy uh, charity. Lots of charities that have um, have spots available for Boston, um, but that's one that's near and dear to our hearts, and highly recommend that for anyone who is looking for for a uh, for a charity bid. Um, so to to kind of transition to this week's uh, interview and and featured fall marathon, we talked to um, Kathleen Titus, who is the race director 
for the Philadelphia Marathon. She is also the owner of All Fitness Events, and we talk about how she um, kind of started her own company and followed her passions with her talent for marketing and event planning and started her own company um, almost 10 years ago now in, in 2013. And in uh, July of 2021, she was appointed to uh, be the race director of the Philadelphia Marathon. Now the Philadelphia Marathon itself is actually very unique in that it's owned and operated by the city since of, of Philadelphia. So since 1994, the race has been operated by the city of Philadelphia and takes place entirely within the city limits of Philadelphia. And Kathleen um, is appointed uh, in her position as, as a, a race director. And um, that is coming up in November. So uh, we got to talk to Kathleen about, about the Philadelphia Marathon. She gives some really good tips. She is a born and bred runner. She's, you know, just like, like a lot of the other race directors we've spoken to, somebody who loves running, who loves running in Philadelphia, who has a lot of ties to the city, um, uh, has done a really amazing job um, promoting the race, especially getting back post-COVID. Um, she came in, you know, the first post-COVID year. Um, and she was kind enough to give us a discount code. Speaking of races that still have spots available, uh, the Philadelphia Marathon weekend events, which include an 8K and a half marathon on Saturday and the marathon on Sunday, do still have some limited openings. So if there's anybody out there who's thinking of, of adding a race to their schedule, maybe you're going up to Philly to watch the marathon and Saturday you want to do the 8K or the half marathon. Maybe your fall marathon didn't go as planned uh, and you want to have a backup, uh, you want to have a second shot. Um, if you are interested in that discount code, message us, email us at uh, julieandlisa at runfartherandfaster.com or message us through any of our social media accounts, and we can provide that discount code for you for $20 off registration of any of those races. All right, and thank you so much for doing this interview. I was unavailable during the times that our guest was available. So Lisa, I so appreciate you taking that one for both she's, of us. And I know you- so wonderful to it. talk to. Yeah, I really enjoy talking. Every time we talk to these race directors, I get really excited and think, okay, I'm gonna add this race to my schedule for, for next year. And I'm you know, thinking, how do I, how do we, how do, we do that? Um, but uh, it was a pleasure to talk to her. She's so uh, genuine and enthusiastic and has such a passion for, for running and bringing people into the, to the running community. And one thing I just wanted to mention that I found really um, remarkable and very telling is that um, at pretty much every race director we've spoken to and interviewed, when we ask them what their favorite part about directing the races, they always say standing at the start line and looking out at the sea of runners that have come to run this race. And from the elites who are going for maybe a world record to the back of the Packers who are just trying to maybe improve their health and their life and achieve a goal that's been on their, on their radar screen, that that gives them such a sense of pride and all that work that comes together. So I think that's, you know, so it makes our, our running community so special is really the genuine uh, desire of everybody involved to see everyone succeed. And I think that's just been something that we noticed that a, a lot of our race directors uh, talk about is that that reward that they, they feel and that's their favorite part of directing the race is seeing it all come together. Well said. Well, thank you so much for interviewing her. I know it was an amazing interview and we hope that this episode helps those who are running Philly. And we have a few more coming up in the next few weeks to prepare others for fall races. And um, we're really excited about this. It's also helping us better prepare our runners for fall races by getting this insight from race directors. So we're really excited to, to bring you all this one. So Lisa, I hope you have a great week. Thanks, Julie, too. Bye. Bye. 
Kathleen Titus, race director for the Philadelphia Marathon. Welcome to the Run Farther and Faster podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Lisa. I appreciate it. Love being here. Yeah, well, we are excited to have you have you on and talk, you know, give some tips about uh, the Philly Marathon for our listeners who are who are running this year. But first, um, we'd love to hear about you and kind of your background in running and triathlon and how you um, parlayed that passion into into your your livelihood. You're also the founder of All Fitness Events. So talk to us a little bit about how you got to where you are today. Well, wow, that's a journey like anybody. Um, it's it's taking, you know, a passion and turning it into a purpose. And luckily I was able to turn it into a career, but running was, it was interesting. I was watching Berlin this past weekend um, and they had a speed skating thing that was going on uh, and inline skating at the start line. I actually got into running because I was a speed skater. And when I stopped speed skating, I needed a way to stay healthy. So I turned it into running. So I started running in around 2000. Um, and then from there, first marathon was Philly. Um, and I moved on, um, across multiple marathons. Uh, I went, most of my career was in hospitality and tourism. So my latest position before I left to start my company was the executive director of tourism for the city of Philadelphia. So I had offices globally. So what I would do is every time I would travel abroad, I'd find a race. So I had nine offices on Eastern Europe, everywhere from, London to in, to Italy, Spain, France, Scandinavia, Germany. And then when we opened up into Latin America, Asia, and India, I went and ran in Brazil. I ran through Mumbai. I've run through Delhi. I've run the Great Wall of China. Uh, so a uh, great way to see the city, but I was able to really take my passion uh, and take it on the road with me. And then right around 2013 is when I decided, okay, I'm at the peak of my career. What do I want to do? And some life changes came about and I said, all right, you know what, I'm going to leave this and, you know, try to take this on and turn it into a career. But it was funny because I was sitting in a cafe in Lyon, France with the governor doing a governor's missions for Pennsylvania at the time. And a CEO for Visit Philly said, if you could be anything, what would you be? And I said, gosh, I'd be a runner, but I'm too slow. Uh, so I said, I'd be the race director because they really need to do something with our marathon. Like we can make it so much better. This was back in 2000 and probably 11. So fast forward to 2017 when I've already started my company and the marathon reached out to come over and do some consulting. Uh, and then lo and behold, you know, last year they asked me to take over as the race director. So, you know, where there's a will, there's a way. <laughs> That's amazing. You kind of you know visualized it and it and it came to fruition. Just um backing up a little bit on that. What's your favorite race that you've done or marathon or place that you've run? What's the most? I'm sure that's that's a long list of amazing places. What's your favorite? My favorite is Paris. And my favorite place in Paris, I have a 16-mile loop that I do that goes from Notre Dame, Sacre Coeur, out to uh, the Champs-Élysées, over to Invalides, up to the Eiffel Tower. Uh, behind the Eiffel Tower, back to the Pantheon, like this whole big loop that I love to do. But there was one point when I told people I had been to Paris more times than I had been to New York because I was there every few months just for work. So I got to know the city very well. I got to know the culture extremely well, but I just loved, I'd go there and just do the 16 mile loop. And people are like, what are you doing? You're gone for three hours. I was like, it's like my morning cup of coffee and newspaper. I can't wait to get out and go do my loop. And see and everything, all the different in such places. a beautiful place, right? Exactly. And do you feel like traveling and racing in so many different places? You kind of learn 
what works for a race, what doesn't work for a race, what you're looking for? Like, you feel like that helped you? I do. I do. And I will tell you that it makes you plan for anything because I went to a conference on the big Island. And when I was in the airport, uh, somebody had said to me, Oh my gosh, Kathleen, are you coming to Honolulu to run the marathon? I said, no, I didn't even know the marathon was going on. This was on Monday, Wednesday. I'm on a puddle jumper to the big back to Honolulu. I register for the race. I get back to the big Island and I was due to fly out Sunday anyway from Honolulu. And my hotel just happened to be at the Marriott at the finish line. So Ironically, I was like, okay, well, I have running shoes. I have shorts. I've been running. Yeah, I can go do this marathon. And I did Honolulu's marathon 10 years ago because it was their 40th. And it's a hot marathon. And I finished it in four hours. And everybody else was telling me it would take me five or six. And it was a great time. But I realized you can really just go run anywhere. (laughs) Yeah, right. Well, if you've got your running shoes and you've got got your running shoes, yeah. If you got your gear, that's all, that's all you really need. So you took over as race director a little over a year ago um, for the 2021 race, which was the the return to in-person racing. Um, So tell us a little bit about that experience and how that, you know, how you came into that role at that point. And and what did you learn from, you know, from that experience of returning to in-person racing from COVID and, and how did you get everything back on, you know, back on track? Yeah, and we were part of, I've been working on all fitness events, handling their social media marketing, their email marketing, website development, um, PR communication since 2017. So for me, it was just like the perfect storm of, I'm also a certified race director. I'm a certified course measurer. Um, I have the logistics background in there. So I went through all of 2020 when we had to cancel the races. We took a lot of races virtual. We took the Blue Cross Broad Street run uh, virtual as well. So when it came time to go into live and how I ended up in this position was I started writing COVID plans, looking at other races, and I worked with other races across the country just from the company's perspective. Uh, And we were writing COVID plans there, and I was talking to New York, and I was talking to Chicago at the time, and I went to the city, and I said, if we're having a race, we need a COVID plan. Like, what is our plan? So lo and behold, this is in June, July, we're, we're setting some things up. Come August, they said, would you take on the race director's role? And I was like, sure, no problem. Okay, we've got COVID. And they said, by the way, you're going to have to change your marathon and your half marathon course too. There's construction. So on top of writing COVID, it's like, okay. Um, Where most people I think would panic being a certifier, like knowing how to go out. I was like, all right, let's go take a look at the course. Let's figure out how we're going to change it. Uh, And we were able to modify our half marathon and our full marathon course. It took us up until the week of the race, because this was somewhere in early September that I had to revamp two two large size races and actually three and our 8K as well had to flip. So we had two constructions and one bridge that was out. And are those back to normal this year? Is the course back to the normal course this year? Has anything stayed changes. It stayed the same. We kept 2021's course for this year and we'll have to keep it for next year because the bridge is still there. We have some constructions going on. And I don't know if in DC you had a lot of these pop-up streeteries where the restaurants all became outside venues. They've taken up a lot of our streets. Uh, They haven't gone away either. Uh, So, you know, we still have the streeteries out there, but we were able to keep this course uh, for another year, which made this year's planning a little bit easier. Right. And and how do um, this year's numbers look? Do you feel like we're back on track for getting people back out and racing? How, how do this year's numbers look? And can runners still register for any of the races over the weekend? Talk to you a little bit about the different races. Over, you talked about the half marathon, the marathon, but talk about the different events through the weekend. Sure. So we start, um, our race weekend is the weekend of November 19th and 20th. So we start with the Expo on Friday the 18th. 
Then Saturday on the 19th, we started 7 a.m. with our Philadelphia, uh, our half marathon, Deedson Watson Philadelphia half marathon. 11 o'clock, we have our Rothman Orthopedic 8K. So you are able to do the half marathon and still do the 8K. 12 o'clock, we have our kids fun run. And then on Sunday, the 20th, we have our uh, American Association for Cancer Research, AACR full marathon on that day. So uh, you are still able to register. And I will say what's interesting is we opened up our race in January under full vaccination policy. Um, you needed to be fully vaccinated. Two weeks ago, we were able to relax that where you don't have to be. It's recommended, but you don't have to be. We're probably one of the few races that's on par for 2019's numbers. We're slightly behind, um, but when I say slightly, less than a thousand runners. So we're close to hitting. Our all-time high was in 2019 at 32,000 runners. We are looking to hit about 30,000 runners. We're on pace to. Wow. And so how, many of the, how many of those run the marathon? So about, we'll have about 15,000 running the half, 15,000 running the full, and we'll get about 5,000. That's our goal if we hit 35,000 um, for the 8K. Right now, we're probably pacing a little bit more in that half marathon distance. Where I see us hitting the 15, we'll probably come in a little bit less on the full marathon. But the full could, the trajectory of that can change based on how London's weather is, how Chicago's weather is how New York's weather is and where people are in their fall, because they all have enough time that if they didn't make Boston's qualifying, they're like, I can do Philly. I can recover and I can still do Philly. So we usually see a pretty big bump after Chicago and after New York organically. But if anything ever goes wrong with like a Berlin or a London and there are people from the States, they're going to come back and say, I'm trying to get my Boston qualifier. They're going to look to Philly. So we have know, a lot of runners like that. We have, yeah. in the past we have a lot of runners who did early fall marathons and they didn't hit their goal. So we have, that's exactly what we've done is we tell them let's target Philly. It's a late enough fall race that it gives us an, give them, gives them enough recovery time in between regroup and, and target. And I will tell you, we've actually had several runners hit those goals in Philly. So it's, it tends yeah, to and be last a, year we had more PRs and there was that we changed the course. It's barely, when we say flat, it's a negative gain. So what you go up, you come down. So it equals out. People think flat means pancake flat. It's not, it just means that the elevation gain and loss is equal. Uh, we had more PRs last year on this course and there was a slightly steeper hill, but it wasn't, it, there weren't as many. So it was kind of like you went up and you came down and that was it, including our wheelchair athletes who said it was probably the hardest hill they've gone up, but it was their fastest by minutes as far as PR. They could not believe how fast the course was overall. Um, so it is, you know, a quick course. Records were set last year. The weather was perfect. So hopefully, you know, we'll, we anticipate the same for this year. And then, who yeah. wants pancake flat? You got to add some diversity out there. You need some variation. <laughs> pancake flat, I was just talking to somebody about this. Pancake flat means your muscles fatigue because you're using the same yes. muscles over and over again. It's good to have some of the variations. So talk to us a little bit about the course. Um, you know, obviously you haven't run this course because you ran it before the course was changed. But talk to us about the course. Um, where is that hill? When does it come? What, you know, talk us through some of the kind of the highlights of the course and the tips you have for people coming to run this course in particular, or people maybe who have run Philly before, but are running this one now, or people who haven't run Philly before. Talk, talk to us a little bit about the course. Um, it's one of my favorite. And even if I wasn't here, when I was in Europe, they would say, what's your favorite half marathon course? And I said, Philly's half. And the reason being almost the entire first half of the marathon, and which is essentially pretty much the first 11 miles of the half marathon are all in the downtown area. So you're seeing all of these iconic points. You're seeing the streets. The streets are filled with people. The cheering, the energy is all there on that front end. So for a half marathon, it's really fast. Um, it is flat, pretty much. And there's one right around mile 11. You have to go up, you cross a bridge. 
you get on to the other side of the water and you run down and you run to the finish. So, but, you know, there's a little bit of a hill there. That same hill is there at mile, you know, for the marathon as well. Our 8K is pretty much pancake flat. <laughs> it is out along Kelly Drive, which in the past it's been along West River Drive, but that bridge is out and it goes out and it comes right back. So, you know, somebody that wants to have those iconic sites, somebody that wants that energy and the vibe, our marathon, the first 13 miles have that. And then right around mile 20 to 22, we have our Maniunk section, which is an out and back. But the street, you've been there, Lisa, it's street, it's just a street party. So yeah. people tend to get fatigued at 23, 24, and 25 because they've heard all this energy. And it gets a little quiet because it is along our waterfront area um, and Fairmount Park, which Fairmount Park is 10 times bigger than New York Central Park. Uh, you know, it, but last year with this new course design, we did have fans that were stretched all the way out to uh, mile 23. And it was because we didn't really have a spectator zone in the oval, which is where all of our runner operations happens. Uh, we really kept that for the runners only where the start finish was that spectators couldn't get into that space. So they lined the streets and they lined the streets um, all the way out. So it was a really great experience and we heard phenomenal feedback. And there was a chance to see with this new course People seeing runners going out two times where in the old course on that side, um, you would only see them coming back. You wouldn't have the, you know, the opportunity to see people uh, actually four times, three times because the way the, the course goes out and loops and comes back. Yeah. So speaking of spectators, what, what would you recommend for people coming in from out of town with family that want to spectate? What's the easiest way for them to spectate? Is it walking out on the course and walking to different points? What's, what's the easiest way you think for people to spectate? It all comes down to, and I say this to the runners and my athletes all the time as a running coach as well, like, where do you feel you need the support and where do you want them? And if somebody's going to be what I call your Sherpa and have stuff for you, you want them on the back end. The back end of ours is not as logistically easy as the front end of ours, because the right. front end, this is a grid system city. It's all squares. So if you really want to see family and loved ones, that's why the front is such energy filled, because you can really easy move across the city. Um, you can see them at the start. You can see them, you know, at different mile marker points with ease. Getting out to the back half of the course is a little bit more challenging. Again, it's just because of the logistics to get out there. So it's kind of like, okay, I always tell people, figure out where you need that support. And is that support driving a car? Or is that support able to get on a bicycle? Or are they looking to go on foot? Uh, because it isn't going to be easy to get out there by car. But you can get out there by bicycle scooter or whatever any other means you'll make your way out there without any issues it's pretty easy to to do that even on foot it's just a little bit more logistically challenging if you think okay i'm going to drive out to now mile 22 i just saw my loved one cover one to 13 that's not going to happen <laughs> with ease right due to street closures and, and just the difficulty of getting around on on I'm, I'm assuming getting back and parking somewhere when they get back to come see the right. runner at the finish yeah. Um, what about um, the start area and runners coming into the start? We talked a little bit about this before we started recording, but, um, you know, Philly is a big race. There are security procedures, there are corrals. What, you know, what does that look like? And what do you recommend runners do to make sure they have a smooth, you know, uh, stress-free process in the morning of getting to the start? I tell everybody, look at the map ahead of time. So we are a race that has a closed runners festival zone. Um, we start this build out the Monday before race weekend. And it's kind of like a mini Olympic village uh, where there's tents in there, the start lines, but it is a secure area. We have four entry, five entry points for you to go through for security um, that you need to do that. Last year, I think people just 
there was a lot of new runners, people who were excited. We had to, uh, we were talking, we had to delay the start by 10 minutes because 15 minutes before people thought they were going to just roll out of their bed and come walking up to the race course. And it was like buses just unloaded. <laughs> um, but we want to make sure that we start the race on time. It is going to take time to get through security, to drop your stuff at the gear check. So we are asking everybody to make sure that, you know, they're, they're ahead of time. We do have warming tents, um, large, large warming tents. Uh, our VIP tent is available for, for purchase for the half and the 8K. It is sold out for the full marathon. Uh, and that has all kinds of amenities from gear check to food, post-nutrition, stretching area, uh, that you could do private portajons, you know, that that sold out pretty quick because we did limit it due to some COVID restrictions. Um, but we do have some warming tents that are out there. So we do advise everybody get out there early, warm up, get yourself in the corral that you're looking for. Uh, otherwise, you're going to have a wait to get there. And, you know, we're not looking to we made some security changes to make sure that we can start the race on time. And if you're late, you're late. You're going to the back. <laughs> right. Uh, back of the line. <laughs> Yep, and that, you don't want to be at the back of a, of a big marathon uh, start. That's a little bit stressful. Are there any things, um, any items that people are not allowed to bring into the start that they should know about ahead of time? That they should. There's a list them? of, yeah, of prohibited items. It's on the website. It's under our FAQs. I would tell everybody go there. Um, pets are not allowed. That includes your iguana, your bird, your cat. Um, I have now seen it all. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> your snake that I do not want to go looking for or have to tell anybody that it's, you know, it's gone missing. So oh you want to leave your all pets home. They are not, they're not allowed unless they're a service animal. And when we say service, you know, they have to have all the credentials that are on them um, that says that they're allowed to do that. And they need to be able to run the course. I did have a service <laughs> animal that was carried because it was a little service animal and it wasn't meant to run a full marathon. A marathon. So again, Make sure your yeah. animals are trained, trained as your well. Your animals as... are tra correct. I didn't think I'd have to be saying that, but yes, that's animals need to be yeah. trained as well that's, <laughs> on the ground. That's, that is good to know. Uh, what about if um, people wear throwaway clothes? I'm assuming you guys donate. Do you collect the, the clothes, donate to a local charity? Or, you know, somebody wears their, you know, their old sweatshirt that they want to put on and stay warm. Are there places for them to, to dump those and get donated? Absolutely. So we will have a charity partner. Last year, we had the Salvation Army on uh, we like people to bring, whether it's gently used clothes or they're just looking to drop, we will have a cleanup crew there for all three events. We're also taking a shoe drive. We have our community outreach group that at the expo, any shoes, they'll take any types of shoes as long as they're lightly worn. Uh, you know, we don't want something that has a hole in it because they do get put back out into inventory. They're, um, they're usually sent to other countries or some of them will recycle down for playgrounds. So there is a different a recycling component to some of the shoes when it comes to the rubber. Then there's other ones that we tried to salvage and save and donate those back to people in need. That's great. So bring your old shoes with you to the race. Bring, <laughs> bring them with the, you. Bring the expo. You can drop them right at the door of the expo. You don't even have to go far for that. That's fascinating. I think I need a huge bag for all of yeah. mine that I have. So bring, bring them. But that's, that's a really great tip and great to know. So as a running coach, what are, what are the tips that you're giving your runners for um, for the Philly course in particular, uh, you know, we obviously know some of the basic ones that we stick with. Don't go out too fast. But is there anything specific that you um, you like to pass along about the Philly course for for runners that are running? You know, it's it, it is the truth. It's it's don't go out too fast. Don't get caught up. It's your race. It's your pace. And like you got to have that mantra in your head. You know, hydration is key. Hydration is especially key in the cooler months when we're not thinking about drinking. So a lot of the athletes that I even have when I coach, they'll say, you know, they'll get to mile 11, 12, where they're supposed to take gels. 
And the stomach says no. And I always say to them, if you're not, you know, your stomach is telling you that because it's dehydrated, it's looking for those fluids. So it's going to react. So you want to make sure you're doing your long runs ahead of time. You know, you got to hit that 20, 22, whatever your comfort level is, practice the fuel that you're doing. You don't want to try anything new, but you do need to be hyd- well hydrated that week. And, you know, don't, don't try anything. We always say that. Don't try anything new. If you haven't tried a gel at the, at the expo, don't try it now. <laughs> Save it for later. Uh, and what will you have? A, what, a flavor. what are you going to have on course at Philly so that people can practice it before they get, they still have several weeks left. So what are you going to have on course? We have Gatorade this year. So it'll be the lemon lime Gatorade. And then we will have Gatorade gels. And I believe we have vanilla. We're actually going to post that Gatorade just gave me their list of gels that should be going up on the website within the next couple of days. I remember seeing vanilla was in there. Okay. But Gatorade, Gatorade gels, Gatorade and Gatorade. Is it in the endurance formula, Gatorade endurance? It is Gatorade endurance gels. We'll have vanilla, blackberry, apple pear, cherry lime, or just a few that I can name that I do know. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Yes. It'll be the endurance gels. And then it will be the lemon lime. um, We'll be out there. You'll see where on our map, we have it where it's listed as Gatorade. You know, Gatorade's pretty much every stop where you see water. So you just go through, you take your choice, you know, your Gatorade, then your water, you know, however you want to do that. Yeah. And speaking of water stations and aid stations, how many volunteers does it take to put on a race like this? We are 3,500 to 4,000. Wow. That is incredible. And it seems like you have a lot of support from the city and from groups in the city, because I remember being there, great volunteer support. So clearly you've got that dialed in, but that is a lot of volunteers. It's a lot of volunteers and we are thankful for our volunteers. We get a lot of repeat offenders. We like to call them. They come back every year. Uh, They know the drill, which makes our life so much easier. Uh, There's races. I know they're really struggling, especially last year to get volunteers. We were blessed that our groups were, have been with us for some of them over 20 years that they wanted to come out and they're part of the running community. They're part of the school systems. They're, you know, they're ingrained in our local community. And I think it's important that you keep outreach to them all year long to let them know, Hey, we're here. We're still looking to do something. Uh, it's really hard to keep recruiting year after year, but our community outreach and trying to make sure that we're in contact with them um, all year long makes it a lot easier when it comes time to pull people together where I know some races it's race weekend and then we don't talk again until the following. And I'm like, no, communication is key. <laughs> show them yeah. love on social media, show them love throughout the year. Let them know, Hey, we're thinking of you. We appreciate you. Uh, but we are one of the few races I know that, you know, does a really nice job with the volunteers and we have some great support out there cheering all, you know, for all the runners. Yes. As a runner, I definitely, I, I can attest to that. Um, what about pace groups? Speaking of volunteers, pace groups on the course, who's doing your pace groups? What are, you know, any advice on those linking up with those pace groups? Yes, we will have pace groups this year. Last year we did not do the COVID. Um, but if you ask elite runners, they ask a buddy and that's their pacer. So, uh, we had Mev, uh, Kefalezki last year and Alephine, uh, Tulamuk who were talking about pace groups. Uh, but this year we have Jarrett Ward and we have Alephine Tulamuk. And again, their mindset as an elite is we don't have pacers holding a sign. We say, what's your pace group? What's your pace group? Make friends, you know, running is a, a friendly industry. It's a great time, but we will have pacers out there. We partner with Philly runner, a local running store here in Philadelphia that has uh, store locations all throughout Center City, Maniunk, even out into the suburbs of King of Prussia. They'll be spearheading our pace groups. You can go on, you can sign up, you can take a look and see what the pace times are and feel free to fall in line. They'll have their official sign with their balloons and everything for race weekend. And if you want to be a pacer, you can even sign up on the website. So if you think, hey, I'd love to be a pacer, 
feel free, go to the website, you can sign up. The same for volunteers. If you wanna come out and volunteer, expo, race course, go to the website, you can see the volunteer link and sign up for the spots that are available. Great, we love that. So if you're in the Philly area, if you're going to you're going to cheer somebody on, you're going with your runner, a lot of runners who've already run their fall races, uh, volunteering is a great way to get involved in a race without having to run it. So- And you get um, some cool swag at the same time. Yeah, yeah and, and it's such an exciting race. It's like you said, it's a beautiful city. It's a great course. So um, that's a great way to get involved. Um, so just to close it out, a couple of last questions. First, what can runners do to make your job as race director easier? You know, you just, you have to open up the race guide. Um, we do Facebook lives every month. The next one is coming up on October 19th. If you want to ask questions, we will have Jarrett Ward on there. We will have Alephine Tulamak, Bart Yasso, Michelle Wheeler, who is one of our push from athletes will be on there as well. So October 19th, tune in, ask us questions. I would say, make sure that you're reading your material in advance. The biggest thing you can do is show up race day on time. I will say this year, spectators will be allowed into the Runners Festival, but not until after 8 a.m. So if you're a spectator, don't think you're coming into the runner zone before 8 a.m. So I would just ask everybody, if you have loved ones, tell them they need to wait until 8 o'clock. They cannot go to the start line with you. They can stay on the perimeter and see you. You'll have plenty of opportunity. Uh, but between that, we have shuttles that will go back, go around to pick people up. Just make sure that, you know, you plan on time, but you can't walk up to the race 10 minutes ahead of time and think you're getting through security because you're going to be pushed to the back this year and it's going to take you a little bit longer. So you are going to have to go through everybody else to get through and, and hit your time. Always, always build in that extra time. Hopefully the weather yeah. cooperates. And, but you said you'll have warming tents. So hopefully the weather yeah. cooperates. So it's, it's, you know, nice. It's always better to be there early and have some extra time to chill and hang out and get your bearings than to be uh, stressed and uh, rushed at the, at the finish line. So I think that or at the start line. So I think that's great advice. And, and what excites you most about this year's race? This is your second time around. And, you know, now you, like you said, now COVID seems to be, you know, we're kind of beyond the COVID protocols. What excites you most about 2022? Not having to put COVID wristbands on everyone <laughs> and to check um, the verification. I just love seeing all the different runners. I, I have blessed to live in this city. So I get to go around in the community and run with different running groups. So for me, getting to see people at the start line, hearing their stories is my favorite. I love the finish line. I love the hugs. I love people coming up and talking to me. I'm a pretty easy race director to find, whether it's on social media, whether it's on lives, whether I'm doing videos. So, you know, my goal is that everybody that signed up for this race, I want to see them start and I want to see them finish. Uh, so for me, being up at 2 a.m. and not going to bed until 11 p.m. doesn't phase me a bit. I just absolutely love the energy, the environment, and every single person's story from the first to the last. And I'm usually out there until the last person comes, even if it's late and the roads are closed. I'm still standing there you know, someplace with their food and their gear. Uh, you know, even though we're done, I still have to clean up. So until everything's cleaned up, I'm around. <laughs> That's amazing. And what, what I love is that I think pretty much every race director, we would kind of ask them to, what, what do you love so much about race? And they've all said, either you know, standing at the start line and looking out and seeing all of the work come together and seeing, you know, from the elite runners who are going for maybe a world record to the people who are trying to get a Boston qualifying time to the people who are just running their first they just want to finish their first marathon. He said, everyone says that that feeling of, of being there and all the hard work that you put in through the year and the hours that you're awake and all of that work that you put in. So, you know, it's very evident that your roots in, in Philly, your experience as a runner, your experience in the marketing world, um, you know, obviously have made you 
really a perfect fit for this. And it's, um, you know, it's evident in, in the race itself and, and the, the energy that comes across in the race, the organization that comes across in the race. So thank you for all of the tireless work that you do and the energy and the, uh, you know, passion that you put into this because it's, uh, it, it is uh, really rewarding for every runner that comes there to be able to, to finish finish their marathon and um, yeah. you know, to, to know that it all, it's all going to run smoothly and that there's somebody there who really cares about, about their finish. So thank you so much. And thank you for taking the time to talk to us today. We are excited to send a bunch of runners up there and Julie and I hope to be back in Philly. One of these years is our fall, fall marathon. So um, or maybe we'll come in, we'll come into the AK or the half. Uh, there you go. So uh, don't have to commit to the full, <laughs> the full marathon, but thank you so much. And Good luck with the rest of, of planning. And um, again, we appreciate you taking the time today. Oh, it's my pleasure. I love being here, you know, love doing this. And again, love all the runners. As a runner, you know what it feels like. You know what it feels like to be injured. You know what it feels like to do the hours. I know exactly what it feels like at mile 26. So when I did these courses, this, you know, revised the course, I actually ran the course. So I do know what the hills feel like. I know what the terms feel like, turns feel like. I know where the potholes are. <laughs> So, you know, that's one of the, the joys of it is if I like it, I'm like, okay, maybe I don't like this, but I like this, but I do understand because I have been through it. Um, so just know that the person out there that's spearheading this is a runner, loves it, you know, wouldn't change anything for the world. And I'm blessed to have, you know, my passion turn into my purpose and do what I do. And I can't wait to see everybody toe up, you know, on the 19th for the Philadelphia Dietz and Watson half marathon, as well as the Rothman Orthopedic AK kids fun run. And then we'll see everybody you know, on the 20th for the ACR Philadelphia marathon. So you guys are always welcome. Thank you. And when does, for those listening who now are inspired and want to run it next year, when does registration open for next year? We're actually going to try to open it up for reg um, registration during marathon weekend. So hopefully if we can get our fingers crossed there, um, we will have some discounts. So if you are running this year and you turn around and say, Hey, I want to do it again at the expo, you can sign up at a discount. So we will look to, to have that. We will also have our brand ambassadors for each year. We always bring on 17 brand ambassadors. So if you want to see what that is, check out www.philadelphiamarathon.com. They're global ambassadors, uh, regular people running that you can follow, whether it's eight, eight K half marathon, full distance, but, you know, check out our brand ambassadors. We want you to have a friend in Philadelphia when you line up, see if a smiling face, no matter who it is. Uh, so Philly love, we're sharing it. <laughs> awesome. Well, we're going to spread that love and appreciate again, you spending the time talking to us. So good luck with the rest of planning. Thanks, Lisa. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to the Run Farther and Faster Boston Marathon podcast. We want to give a special thanks to our editor, Aaron Bryan. And if you enjoyed this episode and enjoy listening to our podcast, please share it with others and please leave a review if you haven't done so already on iTunes. Thanks for listening and have a great week.